0: Namotasa bhokovato arahato samma sambhutasa Namotasa bhokovato arahato samma sambhutasa Namotasa bhokovato arahato samma sambhutasa As some of you may have been aware, we've just completed our annual lay retreat here in the monastery with quite a number of guests staying for seven or eight days, and a very fruitful week, even if it wasn't physically kind of weather we would have liked. everybody Everybody's aware of what's happened over the last week, and suddenly it's all become nice. But uh, even over the last week, when it wasn't as we had wanted it to be, it was still a good time to be together and to put some focused attention into formal practice. And I'm sure, talking with everybody, that they all went away feeling very glad that they had this chance to really concentrate their attention on the inner matters of importance. Of course, we all know there are matters of importance in the outer world but from a spiritual perspective we have the understanding that if we don't see clearly if we don't have an accurate appreciation of uh, where we're coming from then despite our best efforts we can end up making things in the outer world worse and so from this motivation of of, uh, interest in the spiritual life or the inner world we can stop and put time aside be still, be quiet and look inwardly. There are those who see such activity as a complete waste of time and often been told you, you're just wasting your time sitting there doing nothing. What about all the problems in the world? Ah, there's no question about being lots of problems in the world. It's very easy. There's lots of real problems in the world. How are you going to change anything by just sitting on a cushion doing nothing for goodness sake? because that's what it looks like. It looks like you're doing nothing. And How's that going to change the political system or the, the military horror that's going on at the moment around the world in various locations, the ecological problems? Yeah. The water problem. You know, this, uh, people are, are comp- almost completely unaware, or most people are completely unaware of what a growing tragedy there is in the world, the shortage of water. I just read a report recently about how it is undeniably, definitely the case that there is no way that we can sustain the diet that the and Western, Western world is living on for much longer. It is just simply impossible. It's too energy extravagant, particularly with regards to water. It just takes too much water to, most simply, to feed the cows, to eat the meat, I mean, the amount of water it takes to, to produce meat. Meat is a highly extravagant form of energy of nourishment. It is absolutely impossible, not to mention drinking water and many other problems that the world faces. And what are you going to do about changing all these things and just sitting there meditating? What good is that going to do? Well, just because we can't see with our eyes outwardly that something's the case doesn't mean to say that it is the case. Sometimes there's things going on that Definitely true, but we don't, we don't see them going on. There's a lot going on that we're not aware of, just by looking out, looking outwardly. And certainly, this is the case spiritually, just because it doesn't look like anything's happening. Doesn't mean to say that they're not they're not happening. Again, it's the force of of spiritual energy, the the power of the heart, is powerful. And secular society or materialistic world doesn't see this and, and so tends to dismiss it and runs around with very energy extravagant programs trying to fix things and trying to change people's habits and like how to get people more healthy again I read an interesting article recently about this this couple this elderly couple who they couldn't stop smoking they were real, real chimneys these two just puffing away I don't know how many fags a day and obviously make themselves terribly sick, and they had all the information about lung cancer and extravagant waste of energy uh, producing tobacco and blah, blah, blah. But then when they found out that their parrot was dying because of their smoking cigarettes, their compassion for their parrot stopped them smoking. Now, that's a clear example, isn't it? The power of compassion to transform people's behavior. <laughs> It was a very inspiring example. You know, nothing else would stop them. All these scare stories about your health and and so on and so forth. But when they found out that their beloved parrot was going to die because these two were smoking cigarettes, they immediately stopped smoking, just like that. Why did they stop? Love and compassion. Now, isn't that a beautiful story? That just shows you how powerful spiritual practices, the, the power of the heart, to transform beings. And, of course, we can see it in lots of other ways as well. If you can read some of these biographies around you, if you read Nelson Mandela's autobiography of his time in prison, I forget what it's called now, but it's very moving. And although he doesn't talk a lot about it, in fact, I don't think he mentions it at all in that book, a lot of his strength was found in his meditation practice that he was doing while he was in prison. He does talk about his commitment to the spiritual life, well, likewise, Aung San Suu Kyi, those of you that never read her letters, Aung San Suu Kyi, the person who the woman who's in prison in Burma, in Rangoon, absolutely refusing to buy into the game that the military are playing. She's standing by her commitment to fair and democratic process and refuses to play the game. A lot of people think she should. Apply pressure and violence. Likewise, with the Dalai Lama, there's a lot of pressure on the Dalai Lama to to use violence to change the situation. And a lot of people are very critical of of such characters. But their commitment, and and personally, I feel also a complete 100% support of their commitment to the path of peaceful resolution. If we don't have a direct Experience of the force of the heart that's peaceful, of how forceful, how powerful a heart that's peaceful can be for transformation, we don't have that. Well then, it's difficult to feel convinced. I can understand why people are critical of the Dalai Lama. I, I feel sorry for them, you know, or Aung San Suu Kyi. I feel sorry for people who are critical of this particular stance of a commitment to peaceful resolution. But on the other hand, I can understand it Because when you look at the outer world, it doesn't look like it's going to have an effect. In our own experience, if we don't stop and question our motivations and consider and think deeply, feel deeply, beyond the way things appear to be, we likewise can be just operating on these assumptions that for instance, if you want to get something, you, you've got to be assertive. Or if you want to change something, you've got to be assertive. Assertiveness is, is very much the, the mode of doing in, in the world. And yet sometimes the way to bring about change is not doing. In the obvious example of an argument with somebody, if you're locked into the mode of doing, and somebody starts arguing with you and you just keep doing and hammering back and coming back to them with your counter-argument they, they come back to you and, and you end up thumping each other you know, maybe at you know, the very least continually verbally arguing and it doesn't really resolve anything even if somebody opposed, apparently wins the argument the other person ends up feeling bad they feel like they've been dumped on and goes away feeling resentful Whereas if somebody starts arguing with you, and you just whoo, just drop it, what happens? If instead of being assertive, we exercise the what is characterised as the yielding effort of just refusing to contend, what happens? Now, the mind that is convinced and conditioned by merely material dynamics doesn't know that truth doesn't know the force of yielding you look at the outer world and if you're locked into this doing assertive mode you, you can be thinking that's the only way to operate that's the only way to get things done is to be dramatic and be forceful but if we start to question it we can see that it's otherwise and so I think it's helpful to remind ourselves of this as we give ourselves to our meditation practice. We can also ourselves think, well, you know, what good am I doing? How am I changing the world by just sitting here, getting up every morning and putting 20 minutes or 30 minutes aside? What difference am I making? Well, maybe the difference we're making is to develop the strength of restraint why are there all these ecological and political and military problems around the world? If we merely applied the one principle of restraint, it would solve all of them. You know, if people just restrained their greed, you know, the excess that that is indulgent in that produces the imbalances in, in ecology and economy and so on globally. If it was just restraint with regards to, you know, the things that you said, all the like what's going on in Iraq or Palestine, if, if people just restrain instead of going out and bombing the opposition, just restrain, well, let's talk to each other. Just restraint alone would do it. But restraint is is, is not an obvious force. If we don't have our inner eye open, if we don't have a, a uh, sensitivity, an inner sensitivity alive, then we can remain unconvinced by that. Even a theological argument can't necessarily convince us of it. I always thought it was rather unfortunate that example they have in the Christian teaching in the Bible where Jesus went in and lost his rag with those money changers. And I've heard many people over the years say that that's a justified example of how you've you've got to thump the people who are misbehaving, go up and turn their tables over and yell and scream at them and lose your rag. I think that's always. I always thought that was very unfortunate. I'm not sure what Jesus really was up to. Whether that's an accurate record of what went on. However, as a story or as a justification for using aggression, I think that's not a very good model. Well, the Buddha, fortunately, his teaching clearly under no circumstances whatsoever does it justify violence. And there is nothing in the teaching that that says that that resolution is going to. Be found by following our tendencies of ill will based on ill will or aggression. If there's a motivation of ill will, that means there's motivation to hurt, there will be more trouble, for sure. But as I was saying, the the mind that is conditioned by, uh, by material matters and is not informed by an aware, awareness of the spiritual dimension or awareness of the heart itself dismisses the force of kindness of patience there's one of the stories in the scriptures of the Buddha's past life where the Buddha was an ascetic just hanging out in the forest living simply, not doing very much living very, very frugally and perfecting the parameter of patient endurance and one day this bunch of really lovely ladies came to see him and they were the concubines of of the local the local chieftain or the local king of the land, and he'd been out having a little frolic in the forest with his concubines and had a picnic, I guess they went out for a picnic and a little fun in the park and then when the when the king had had fed himself thoroughly that he kind of just lay down and rolled over, and had a snooze, and his concubines got bored with his majesty. Lying there snoring away, and so they went off for a walk and had a look to see what was happening in the neighbourhood, and they came across this holy man sitting there in his cave, not doing very much. And so these these lovely lassies approached him and started questioning him what he was doing, and so this was the Buddha in one of his previous lives, and and he uh, this ascetic he started giving teachings to these young women, and. But then, meanwhile, the king woke up and he was disappointed to find that his his ladies weren't there anymore. And so he went off in a huff looking for them, grumpy and angry. and, And then he found them sitting there at the feet of this holy man, looking up at this holy man, and bright eyed and enamored with the teachings of this holy man. And the king flew into such a rage that he attacked the ascetic with his sword and cut off his ear but the ascetic the the Buddha in his past life just sat there refused to react he was committed to cultivating patience absolutely refused so the king cut off his other ear then he cut off his arm and his leg and his other arm his other leg until there's not much left but still The ascetic absolutely refused to budge. He was committed to the cultivation of patient endurance. And at this point, the king realized his mistake and was filled with remorse and filled with regret. But by that time, apparently, it was too late and the earth opened up and he sunk into this great big chasm and disappeared. And I don't know, he's probably still down there having a bad time. But according to Buddhist teachings, eventually he'll come back up again and he'll be okay. So it's always got a nice ending. This is good. But the teaching on the absolutely limitless, boundless need to develop patient endurance I think is a good example. It doesn't matter. Even if they cut off our limbs, the Buddha said, it doesn't matter. if you, you have to find a way of bearing with the circumstances, not to fall into the feeling of being justified in hating under any circumstance. And this is a a transformative power, a transformative f- force. And of course, I mean, everybody has read. I'm sure at some stage was aware of how effectively Gandhi managed to turn around the situation in in India with his commitment to nonviolent action. So when we see these examples, whether it's Gandhi or Aung San Suu Kyi in Burma, or or if it's ourselves in our own small way making an effort to cultivate the power of the heart to really register that not not to belittle that not to forget it not to dismiss it not to underestimate it as I said the world trivializes these things makes jokes about these things diminishes such an effort but from the Buddhist perspective this is the only way that we're going to bring about peace in the world this is the only way we're going to solve the crisis in the world and also, to, so to value these things when we find them and inspiring examples of others or to encourage ourselves in making an effort, but also to register when we see the, the tragedies, the failures of the opposite. You know, how when people do get caught up in, in thinking you've got to force a result, you've got to use force to get a result, like in an, in a dialogue with somebody, if you're not getting what you want, you've just got to speak louder or, or come in with a harder argument and to see the result of that. I know myself personally that in situations of conflict or living in monasteries are not always as peaceful and as harmonious and as wonderful as you might think they are. And, and many times there's the temptation to just, just really tell somebody what you think of them regrettable occasions when that's happened always always without doubt cause trouble that's always made things worse and yet when we make the effort to inhibit the impulse to really tell somebody what you think of them or to, to demand to get your own way we inhibit that and practice patience practice just just bearing with a frustrating situation it? It, feels, it can feel so frustrating so annoying and you want to solve it you want to just get rid of the problem but if you say no be patient bear with it there's this word we have very old fashioned word that you almost never hear anymore called forbearance forbearance just bearing with something and my experience has been that in conflict situations where where one chooses to bear with it doesn't matter how difficult it is just bear with it that Miraculously somehow things conspire to bring about a resolution. some dilemmas that that I've found myself in over the years just just feel completely alone and and totally unsupported and 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 faced with the responsibility of having to handle a real crisis and just don 't know what to do and The temptation is to go in there with all guns blazing and to be the one who sorted it all out but the experience has been that if you just say, just wait, just wait, and to inhibit the tendency to push past, to yield in the face of that energy that's trying to draw us out to fix the problem, just wait until, as I say, my experience has been that somehow, something from a completely different angle, something that you completely didn't expect, turns up and resolves the problem. Well, likewise when there's a you know, contentiousness or negativity and you feel really tempted to, to react with the same sort of energy to get pulled into it. My experience has been that when you just choose to be choose to be kind. And really choose to be kind, to exercise kindness when the temptation is to, to exercise something else altogether, the result is always better. So however these lessons, these the feeling or the appreciation, the force of gentleness, the power of yielding, the power of non-contention is not something that our materialistic worldly minds are going to recognize, but it is something that the spiritual life can help us recognize. And I'd like to encourage us all to have confidence and faith in that. So thank you very much this evening for your attention. Amen.